Hi everyone and welcome to Trading for Life Redeems. I am Dan, I'm here with my father, David Jackson. We are looking at the first letter that the Apostle John wrote to a bunch of churches in uh, somewhere in Turkey, uh, east, west, Ephesus, uh, Ephesus, area. Ephesus yep. Colossi, that kind of area. We're now halfway through chapter two. Yep. The heading here is about eternal life, so we have eternal life. That's fairly straightforward. We then have this anointing in verse 27 of receiving the Holy Spirit that Jesus yep. promised. We receive that. It then says that because we have the Holy Spirit, I don't need anyone to teach me. So <laughs> We can pack up shop That's and go right. home. <laughs> no, no need to listen to my pastor when he gives his sermons. No need to grow up as a kid going to Sunday school. Don't need all that. I can just read the Bible by myself. And I'll be right. Mean we don't need one John. He was well, that's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Clearly, John is teaching. And clearly, this church needs teaching. This is a, a reference back to an Old Testament prophecy that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will reveal the whole story. And the whole story is about Jesus. So, in the Old Testament, you're looking forward to something you don't understand. It's, a, it's hidden, it hasn't been revealed yet. Now he's been revealed. These are things, Peter says, into which angels long to look. And we've got to see it all and we've had it laid out for us. What he's contrasting is the cults that are popping up, uh, challenging the gospel, challenging that Jesus is the Christ. And these cults, uh, at the time when John was writing this, there was a cult in uh, Palestine. I think it actually has spread its tentacles into the other synagogues maybe even in Ephesus, uh, that we know them as the Essenes of the Dead Sea Scrolls. They had a fellow they refer to as the teacher of righteousness. Mm. And the teacher of righteousness is a guy who claims to have, you know, the Holy Spirit has come, God's Spirit has come, and revealed to him all this stuff that was in secret, the mystery mm. that you need to get saved. And that mystery takes you all the way back to all these secret books that the Essenes have collected um, and that people people wrote in the name of people like Enoch. So they're forgeries, they're fake books, and they're fake revelations. Um, and just to clarify, for those of you who aren't aware, Enoch is in Genesis. <laughs> the real Enoch is in Genesis. The book that Jude quotes was written somewhere around 200 BC. Yeah. But by, by, some, by some dodgy fellow who claimed that he'd had, you know, visions and angels had restored lost books and all sorts of things. We still have that experience. Yeah. And one of the things that you find is with these cults, every one of them has a second Bible. Um, I, I refer to it as a second Bible. So <clears throat> if you if you want to run through. Uh, the Bible is the only final authority for all t doctrine and life. That's the point John's making here. Uh, the Holy Spirit, the one who anoints you, is taking you to the book, the words that he breathed out and caused to be written, including one John. Mm -hmm. So here is our source of final authority. If you then put another book beside that, the other book is the one that rules over the Bible. And so we have lots of them. Um, if you go on the website and pull down the notes, you can see we've dealt with a few of those. They're putting another way of salvation in the place of Jesus. And you don't want to go there. You don't need a teacher of righteousness. You don't need a cult leader. You don't need a latter-day prophet. All you need 
is what the Holy Spirit is delivering to us, and that's this book. So if we continue on your theme of righteousness here, mm-hmm. verse 29 here talks about, uh, you know, we know that Jesus is righteous, but yep. then it talks about, therefore, anyone who's righteous or practices righteousness on this translation or yeah. who does righteousness yep. is born of Christ or born of the yeah. Holy Spirit, depending on you know, which hymn you want to have that referring to. Yep. Does that mean I can just go and do righteousness? Yeah. And <laughs> you can go and do righteousness. And it means I'm born again? You better. <laughs> <laughs> can I do righteousness without being born again? No. No. So it, it, you look at this contrast, it's absolute. The good works that an unregenerate, an unbeliever does, they do as an enemy of God. Mm. Uh, I liken it to being if you're the best shot in the army, that doesn't make you a good person if you're on the wrong army. Yeah. Um, If you are a medical practitioner and you're going into surgery to heal people and you're carrying some huge infectious disease that will kill you, I don't want you operating on me. Mm. And that's what God is saying. If your nature is to be an enemy of God, everything you do is corrupt. You cannot do righteousness. Yeah. But the person who is born again, whose sins are forgiven, who is stands before God innocent of all charges, we have a new nature and we can not sin. And that's great news. That means I can do things that are pleasing to God and that are in right that are right in accordance with his character. I can obey him. I can resist sin. And in fact, I've got no excuse. Yeah, well, we're going to come down to that now in chapter three as we continue through. So I'm born of Jesus, therefore I can do righteousness. Yep. But it also means that I can not sin. Yes. So John (laughs) says here that if I sin, basically I'm not of Christ. Doesn't give you much wiggle room, does he? (laughs) So, what does that mean? <laughs> his, his language is really confronting, and everybody... John paints things in black and white. You're in darkness or you're in light. Mm. Truth or lie. Uh, love or hate. And when we come down to this little section, do obedience, doing right or doing wrong, he is saying point blank, if you are in Christ, you cannot sin. If you are not in Christ, you cannot do righteousness. There's, there's a, it's a total uh, exclusion there. Mm. So we know that we sin. Yep. And therefore we read 1 John and we go, he can't mean that. <laughs> I mean, I, he starts his letter by saying, um, if you say you don't have sin, you're a liar. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, conf- I, I knew I had sin. When I got converted, I recognized I had sin. I... You know, ran to Jesus and I confessed my sin. I was converted and he took away my sin. I'm good now. And then John says in chapter 2, okay, I'm writing so that you don't sin. So he knows that we do sin. He's writing so that we don't sin. And if we do sin, we go running straight back to Jesus. Good advocate. Right. So when he comes over here now and he says you can't sin, what's going on? So that's my question. <laughs> that's your question. That's right. It's everybody's question. The solution that most people come to, uh, and I've set it out in the notes, is to bend over backwards to minimise what John is saying here. Somehow we've got to 
take the statement, you cannot sin, mm. and turn it into, yes, you can, as long as you don't do it too much or too seriously mm. or you don't keep on doing it too long. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people try and make it so that you cannot keep on sinning. You can't continue sinning yeah. all the time. The Bible, I mean, even this New American Standard has you cannot practice sin. Mm. Well, it doesn't say practice. It <clears throat> says you can't do it. Yeah. Um, you cannot sin. It's simple present tense. So we tie ourselves in knots trying to come up with a way to explain it away. Yeah. Now, and I, go on. I just remember sitting in a lecture with Don Carson talking about this verse. Yep. His approach was basically that it's a very clear instruction from John to his children, kind of like I would give an instruction to my child of, you can't do that. That's right. You've got bubble gum or whatever in my house, you're chewing it. You can't have bubble gum in here. You've got to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, or as a school teacher, we have rules for our classrooms. Yep. You can't do this. doesn't mean that they that it's impossible for them to do that. It just means that they can't. <laughs> yeah. It's so, you know, kind of setting the... It, it, this is These two things don't go together. Yeah. You read in the rest of the Bible that if you are... He talks about God's seed is in you. And you think of the parable of the sower, the, the word of God goes in, you grow into this fruitful plant, um, and you glorify God. Okay, so if I have... If I'm born again and God's seed is in me, that means that I am a different nature. Sin is contrary to my nature. Mm. Uh, now, we've got to get that through our heads. Sin is contrary to who I am in Christ. Uh, we want to have two natures. Mm. You know, I'm, this is where I get into a big argument with Martin Luther. And he, he quoted this silly phrase. I think it's a silly phrase. Simul justus et peccator in Latin. Mm. If you say it in Latin, that sounds good. Um, <laughs> you sound smart, Dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it means at the same time, I'm a sinner and a saint. I'm righteous and I'm sinning. And John's saying, no. Mm. Martin Luther, listen, no. You can't do that. You can't be that. You can't do that. You're one or the other. So how does this work? It means that I'm a, a born-again believer and I make the wrong choice. I sin. Now the problem is that doesn't work. It's not an option. I can't make sin work. And at, the, at some point in the process of trying to make it work, I have to give up and come back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. The two things cannot exist side by side. Um, it's not about, you know, I mean, if you want to say John is just saying that you can't keep on sinning, well, I mean, hang on, go back to chapter 2. He wrote that 2,000 years ago. We're still sinning. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and even the oldest and most experienced and wisest Christians still sin. They keep on sinning. <laughs> you know, the, his point is it it is totally inconsistent with who you are. There's who you are, and then there's what you do. You are righteous. You can do the righteous. You cannot do the sin. This is not who you are. Hmm. It's got to, it. It can't work. Now that's that's a reality. Uh, we can't walk in two worlds. Uh, we can't be two people at the same time, and that's what John is saying here. And it's really good news. Remember, he wrote the book to assure us that we've got eternal life. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we make you doubt it. <laughs> yeah, so we don't go to chapter three and go, oh, I've got eternal life. Isn't this wonderful? Oh, but if I have eternal life, I can't sin. I did sin. Oh, does that mean I'm not saved? Yeah. That That's not what he's putting this there for. He's writing this so that you will know that you have eternal life because in your life, sin won't coexist. If you sin, you're going to go through a massive crisis. If an unconverted person sins, it's natural. Hmm. This is contrary to who we are. It doesn't work. It doesn't sit with us. So these two things have to be separated. And just like the people who don't follow Jesus had to leave the church, and that assures us that we're staying with Jesus, just the same way with our sin. If we sin, it, we can, it just doesn't coexist. Hmm. Now, that, that, I think, is that's good news. And so every time I do the wrong thing and I feel guilty about it and I wrestle with it, that's reassuring me that my nature is saying this doesn't belong. Yeah. You think of think of your body absorbing a foreign object. You know, I've, some years ago I had a splinter go in that wouldn't come out <laughs> and it was too painful, it was too dangerous actually to dig it out. We just left it there and my body rejected it. Hmm. You wake up one morning and there it is. My mother woke up one morning and found a pin in her sock and it had come out of her skin mm. because she'd stepped on it and a bit had broken off. It actually travelled up her leg and came out her ankle. And she goes, oh. <laughs> That's why my ankle's been hurting for the last <laughs> few days. <laughs> my body has rejected it. It's yeah. kicked it out. And that's our nature. The two things cannot coexist. That's a great assurance. Thank you very much, Dad. If you want to come and grab the study notes and have a look in a bit more detail about what Dad's been chatting about here, head over to trainingforliferedeem.com slash 95. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Come back and join us again next week. We'll continue to look through the first letter of John halfway through chapter three. We'll continue going through that. Come and join us for that and have a great week.